Hi, my name is Walt Lucan, your host of FIA's Market Voice podcast, and we're thrilled to be joined on today's podcast with a true innovator and difference maker, Jamal Cole. My Block My Hood, My City is a nonprofit that embodies the true spirit of community leadership. And for the past 10 years, its founder and CEO, Jamal Cole, has been helping to break down barriers for young people from disadvantaged Chicago neighborhoods and provide them with opportunities beyond their immediate neighborhoods. Jamal has been named one of the 25 most powerful Chicagoans by Crane Magazine, named a Chicagoan of the Year and Activist of the Year by Chicago Magazine, and last year received an honorary doctorate degree from DePaul University. I should be calling you Dr. Jamal uh, for her outstanding achievement in his field. And we're very lucky to have Jamal give a talk at our last year's Expo Conference in Chicago. And I'm delighted to be able to join with him today. It's a pleasure to have you here, Jamal. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Um, all those accolades and awards are, um, I think the first one should be I'm a dad, I'm a husband. That is, um, that's my priority. Um, God does have a battery in my back. I love helping people, but um, thank you for having me, bro. Happy to be here. No, absolutely, and you're right. Uh, it starts with the family, um, and I, I'm this. I'm blessed to be in the same situation as you. Um, but I did want to go back to the beginning, and this has been about a decade journey for you um, in my block, my hood, my city. Give us a sense for those that aren't familiar with your organization. How did the idea come about, and what is the goal of of the organization? Yeah. So my block, my hood, my city. Um, you know, the, the goal is to take care of people no matter what. Um, we're like the new Red Cross or the new United Way. Um, I started my block, my, my city um, in Cook County Jail, just volunteering. And a lot of kids in the jail, um, all they talked about was my block is 21st Street or my hood is the low end. And they said it with such passion. They were so parochial that I never forgot those words. And I was always asking, why do you say my block? like you own something on the block. Why do you say my hood, like you own the neighborhood? You don't own it. And they were like, no, nah, man, this, this is my block. Like, I'll, this is, I'll run this, this is my hood. And I, that was the way they said it just like evoked, like I was interested, right, in more of it. And so the more questions I asked, I realized they had never left their block. They, their whole worldview was shaped by their, a few blocks, like what they wanted to be, what they aspired to be, who, who they admired. It was all shaped by the infrastructure of Inglewood or the infrastructure of Roseland or the infrastructure of South Shore. And when I asked them simple questions like, hey, have you ever been downtown? It was like, no. Have you ever been to the lake? Oh, what ocean is it? I've never been to the lake. They'd never ride, ridden in an elevator. They had never been in a taxi. Like everything they wanted to do was shaped by their, their neighborhood. So what their favorite food was McDonald's or Burger King. They had never been out. Hey, there's 10 McDonald's in my neighborhood. It's like, wow, like, have you ever stepped outside of your block? And so I started a program where I wanted to expose kids to more than their blocks in the neighborhood and expose them to more things in the city. And that's kind of, it was step outside your comfort zone, expand your worldview beyond your block. That's how it started. So. And, and tell us, so you formed this not-for-profit organization. And so in, in practice, how does this work? How do, how do you expose these individuals to a broader worldview? Yeah, so basically I picked the lowest performing high schools in Chicago. I wanted to know all 36 alternative schools or option schools. Where are they? And I'm going to go visit them regardless of the neighborhood they're in. I went to the schools and I said, point me to the direction of the lunchroom. I'm going to set up a table and talk to the youth. I got to all the schools, 
about 100 kids per school came up to my table and said, I want that hoodie you're wearing. I was like, you want the hoodie? Well, to get the hoodie, you got to go to the Michael Jordan restaurant with me downtown. They're like, what? I get to go get some free food. I'm like, yeah, I want to expose you to this Michael Jordan restaurant. So that was the start. I did that with about 20 schools. And and basically, I just told the kids that before we get to the Michael Jordan restaurant, we're going to stop at a trading firm. <laughs> and I'm going to talk to you about Microsoft. Enge- what? We're going to talk about Microsoft engineering. And then um, we learned about from the traders. We learned from whatever business I brought them to. And then we went to go eat. So the, the kids at the lowest performing schools, they just went with me because we're, we're getting some food today. We're going to get burritos. We're going to have this kind of. Yeah, that's that's why they wanted to come. But in the midst of them going to get some food, I would take them to an architectural firm or I take them to a bank or I would, if, if there's currency exchanges in your neighborhood and there's no banks, I'd take kids to banks. If they wanted to um, do culinary arts, I'd take them to a restaurant. But it was always around getting food and exposing you to a different job so you could be more than what you saw in your neighborhood. Key, yep. Food is a key motivator. I agree. <laughs> Especially I, I'm, with you. I'm with you. With you. Yeah, it's great. It, yep. it, so you, you mentioned trading firms. Um, you know, this is your story's got a bit of serendipity with our industry. Um, tell us about your connection with WH Trading and and how that has helped evolve uh, your organization. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm technically an explorer because I was selling motivational books on the corner of you know, Adams and State downtown Chicago in front of Foot Locker every day. That was my job. I'm going to sell my self-published motivational books and 100 people are going to walk by me every hour. Two people are going to buy a book and 98 people are going to say no. On a great day, three people are going to say yes and 97 people are going to say no every hour. But I was doing this all year long and the owner of a trading firm needed help moving offices. And they saw me on the corner and was like, hey, can you help us move some boxes? And I was like, okay, yeah. And um, I showed up early one day and they said, hey, you always show up early and everybody shows up late. Why is that? And I was like, hey, because in college basketball, my coach told me that, you know, being on time is late. And they're like, wow, we, we like you. You know, if we, if we put you in school for Microsoft networking, could you pass? I was like, you mean like Facebook networking? They were like, no, we're talking about like Cisco networking, Microsoft engineering. This is a trading firm. I'd never seen so many computers in my life, but but um, just because I showed up early and on time, they um, they put me in school for Microsoft engineering for six months. I failed a few times, but when I passed, they hired me as a Microsoft in- administrator at WH Trading, and I worked on, for four years there underneath a guy from Taiwan and um, and from um, Japan. I couldn't even understand their dialect, but they taught me Linux operating systems, Microsoft operating systems, Cisco, and it was hard, man. It was hard, but um. But they were they were all from the best universities in the country. They all wore Doc Martens. So I was like, I'm gonna get a pair of Doc Martens. You know, they all wore so I was like, I'm gonna get in close with these guys so I can learn what they do. And um, it just so happened that um the CEO of the firm, Will Hobart, he um he spent time every other week volunteering at nonprofits like you can in Chicago. Or um and, and I was like, wow. So one day he took me with him to volunteer and and I got to meet kids that reminded me of myself when I was 17. I was like, I remember when I thought like him or thought like her. And it just sparked a passion in me to like want to um, take kids to the trading firm. You know, so I started taking kids from all over Chicago to the trading firm and showing them, you wouldn't believe how much money I get paid to. It wasn't a lot of money either, but I was like, I get paid $50,000 a year to build operating systems. And kids would come even from Cook County Jail to the trading firm and and I don't want to ramble, but I took so many kids to the trading firm that everybody was like, wow, Jamal, like, you're like the new Boy Scouts, what you're doing. I was like, what do you mean? They were like, you know, you're exposing kids to what we do. And I knew right then that I had to build a whole model out of it. So 
I asked all the smart people around me from Carnegie Mellon, from Harvard, how would you do this? And then I would just spend time in the morning writing down, like, this is how, that's how all the chalkboard. I'm supposed to be doing Microsoft engineering, but I'm there, like, showing, I'm going to get the kids from this school. I'm going to get a bus. And I'm going to, and I just, it was a perfect breeding ground for me. I didn't do any work when it came to Microsoft engineering, but it became clear that my role in life was to expose kids to different opportunities. And Will Holbert allowed me to, um, he allowed me the space to build a nonprofit organization um, from the firm. So that's how I did it. That's a great story, but you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by, was there a light bulb moment for you? I mean, all this stuff you're putting together and it's, I can feel the energy in, in you, but was there a moment when you're like, oh my God, this is working. Like people, I'm, I'm, I'm changing. Like, are you seeing results as a result of um, your organization? Yeah, man. It, um, yes. And so the light bulb moment for me was when I won entrepreneur of the year from the trading firm and I was able to leave the trading firm and start my own nonprofit. Like everybody saw it happening in front of their eyes. But when I won entrepreneur of the year, uh, by Toyota, everybody's like, yep. You know, and so the the president of the firm allowed me to um, he gave me a business coach and they gave me a couple months salary and I was on my way. And um, and and then my business didn't do well and I failed. I was like, oh, man, I, was, <laughs> I thought I was ready, but I wasn't. But but the light bulb moment for me was. Um, was basically, man, just just when you do what you love, I feel like you organically start building relationships that will help you be successful. And so. As I was going to these communities of North Lawndale and taking kids to Greek town where they go to a, a Greek restaurant, they go to the National Hellenic Museum, I start seeing the light bulbs going off in their head like, oh, like, you know, um, it's only 15 minutes away from me and we're, I feel like I'm in another country. Or, um, you know, how, how does a person start a restaurant or um, just that, hey, um, I've never been into a glass building before. It was really simple, Walt, like things that you, me and you take for granted. When a kid goes inside of a glass building downtown, they're scared to go in because they think it's going to crack. Like, I've never been inside. Like little things like that were the light bulb. Like, oh, I can actually start a, a business. And that that I just start paying attention to that. And I wanted to do that more. And so um, one museum became a marketing firm. That marketing firm became a hospital. I just started I started going. I started exposing kids to more places and they were more interested in what they could be. And that that their enthusiasm um, inspired me to, to go harder, basically. So. Well, one thing that fascinates me about your career is that you deal with failure. I mean, you talked in your story about how you had to take, you know, some of these certification tests several times in order to to, to be certified on Microsoft or, or whatever programming you were doing at the time. Um, you know, a lot of people give up. You know, you, you Steve Jobs at, you know, at Apple. He failed a lot at the beginning before he succeeded. Um Tell us about that part of you. Like, like what, what is it that keeps you coming back to, and you clearly are driven, energetic, hard worker. You know, what is it? Did you try to teach those aspects of your character to others? Well, thank you. I, um, I'm afraid of, of, of losing. I'm afraid of, uh, um, of, I, I, um, I just failed at a national speaking competition this weekend. I went America's best speaker and I, I didn't even make it to the second round. And I thought I was going to do phenomenal. I was like, at least make it to the second round. Like I'm a paid speaker around the country. I built a nonprofit. What? And I, when I gave the speech, I got glory, like glaring reactions. Like everybody was like, you did a great job. And then I didn't make it to the second round. And I was like, man, I hadn't felt this way in a while. Like, you know, I haven't felt, um, um, 
loss or failure in a while like wow like and so what what keeps me going um i want to help people like that's all i'm good at is helping people that's that's what i love i love teaching i love teaching and helping people and and so i'm a good listener and so even if i fail i still learn lessons along the way that and i, I can apply what i learn really fast and so what keeps me going, man, is uh, um, Chicago is a place where I want to help people. And there's a lot of people that need help. There's a lot of people that need inspiration. So if I walk outside, you're going to see migrants on the street. If I walk outside, I see teenagers sagging their pants and listening to music that I listened to as a kid. And I'm like, man, I want to help that person. So the communities are my classrooms, man. Every day is a new learning experience. Um, and it's my mission in life. I, I couldn't do anything different if I wanted to. Well, I mean, I, I honestly think that this is what I'm programmed to do. And, and yeah, it's just maybe I like it hard. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe <laughs> I, I wish I could answer it better, but that's how that's how no, I feel. No, no. Look, look, people, and when you do something you're lo- that you love, you know, no day is, is hard work, right? I mean, it's it's like, um, and so clearly you love and have a passion for this and that's incredibly important. I was interested in you mentioning you were an athlete as well. Um, I was just talking to, um, a member of our hall of fame and, and he would hire athletes because athletes had discipline. They had competitiveness. They, when there was a, a, a sense of, uh, a flea or fight, they fought, you know, um, but you think that is a part of your, your character and what may differentiate you from others yeah for sure um playing college basketball i was a walk-on at the college you know i showed up in the basketball coach's office and just said i'm gonna play for you i'm going to the league i'm going to play for your team and everybody was seven foot tall from england and all over the world and they're like you gotta get recruited i was i don't know what that means i just know i'm going to the nba i'm gonna play for your team and they allowed me to walk on the team because i was so persistent and you know for four years i was a bench player i barely ever played but you know um that coach, you know, he he taught me discipline. He taught me how to stop making excuses. He taught me um, the highest level of maturity is taking full responsibility for my actions. He taught me how to be a team player. He taught me how to um, how to wake up at 6 a.m. So even if um even if I wasn't scoring baskets or catching the football, I was still learning the discipline that it takes to be a to athlete, to be an athlete. So yes, yes, man. Um, I I I um. I know how to follow. I know how to be a leader. I know how to like leadership is taking action as opposed to what you say. So all those things came from sports. And yeah, I um I'm so grateful to have walked on the basketball team at Wayne State. It 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 literally changed my whole philosophy of my life. Well, it's it's interesting because I think a lot of people think that leadership is just innate in somebody. They're born a leader. It's not true. I mean, I think you know, you can teach these traits to people. Um, and you know, yes, some people are inherent leaders, um, and you have those traits, but it's, there's discipline and hard work. I mean, I think about Michael Jordan, what differentiated him is not his physical gifts, but his, his toughness, mental toughness. And, and, um, so yeah, I, I completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah, man. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta be tough, man. You gotta be able to stand guard at the door of your thoughts. You can't, you know, you have to, even what I'm doing now in this nonprofit industry is, um, you know, you, it's month to month, you know, and you can't, you, you can't, um, you have to remember your why you're doing it. Like no one's going to 
care. No one's going to support you on how you're doing something, but I'm always trying to let people know why I'm out here taking kids on field trips. Why is if you show kids better, they'll do better. Let me tell you the story of Marquell. Let me tell you the story of Deontay. And, um, and, but yeah, that all starts with, um, well, are you going to do it at four in the morning when nobody's watching or not, man? Are, when it comes to working out in basketball, are you, you have to, if you can only bench press 135 pounds, you have to do that until you can get stronger. You can't try to look like you're doing 225. You have to stay at 135 when nobody's looking, and then you get stronger every day. Then, then next thing you know, in the summer, you're like, man, you got big, but it started just little steps. And that's how I try to wake up at four in the morning and make sure I'm applying for grants or, or reaching out and, and talking to a CEO and telling them what I do. I want to that's that's what I can control is work ethic and my attitude. Those are two things I learned from from sports for sure. Well, you're inspirational. Um, I do want to understand better too where the organization is today. So we're about a decade in. Um, how how big is the organization and how many schools yeah. are you reaching at this point? Yeah, so we have 17 team members. We um we have a budget of four million dollars a year, and we work with 150 students a month. And they come from about 12 to 13 schools. And um, and so that's that's what it is. And we um, you know, we are probably supported by one fourth grants. You know, I'd say we get two million a year from corporations that help out, and then the others are individual donors that donate monthly to our, to the organization. But um, that's how we we just man, like um in 2020, there was a lot more support than there is and it's like a diversity, equity, inclusion fatigue right now in the country. So it's hard to raise money now, but that's just where we're at. And so you can't complain about the the climate. You just have to like do more than people expect. And so everything I do with my team is like, are we doing more than people expect to make like for example, these hoodies that people buy, every hoodie that they buy goes towards supporting our organization. But the hoodies are all embroidered. So when people get it, they say, oh, it's just a little bit more than we expected and they share it, right? Or um, with my organization, we take teenagers on field trips. We pick them up from school, we take them to the exploration, and then we drop them all back at home. Like that's, we have to, like most, most companies will just say, okay, let's drop the kids back off at school. No, we take them all home because their parents can't afford to like, get them from the school after the expiration. So we actually do more to build a relationship with the kids and that. So that's my philosophy with everything, man. Do more than expected uh, to make the best investment in, in your future. So in, 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 so you're 10 years in, you must have some great success stories of students that have come oh, yeah. back and, and told you, give, give a few um, of your most proud moments. Yeah, so my, my um, most proud moments are, um, I would say, Marquell who um, when I met him, the first trip I did um, was I emailed the um, the CEO of Greyhound Bus and the title of my email was, I was born on the Greyhound Bus, help me out or something like that, right? And so basically I wasn't really born on the Greyhound Bus, but I spent so much time traveling on it and leaving Chicago that I wanted to start this Explorers program. Anyway, long story long, the first time I met Marquell was because the CEO of Greyhound allowed me to use a bus to take 50 kids from Chicago to Springfield. And um, and I'm first time I met Marquell, you know, kid from the hood, sagging his pants way to his knees, very disrespectful. I, I never thought that even after Springfield, I was like, you're not going to be in my program long because he was just so disrespectful and so unappreciative. He reminded me of me when I was his age. I was like, man, you don't appreciate, we're taking you to Springfield and getting you some free food. But um, now Marquell works with us. Like he's the leader, like he's a leader in our Explorers program now. He went to college, graduated, and he works for us now. So just exposing him to different jobs and exposing him to different countries and exposing him to different states. Over four years, I was able to see how that 
it inspired him to, to dream bigger than his surroundings. And now he's able to, to work with youth like I work with him. And I tease him all the time. Like, you was just like that when I met you when you were 14. You was just the same way. You, you know, you the same way as this kid is. You know, you got you to gotta continue to pay it forward. So Marquell would be the beginning story. Um, also, I'm inspired by not only the Marquells, but seeing their, their siblings. When they see Marquell join an after-school program, they're inspired to want to do it too. Like Marquell went to college, I can do it too. So I'm seeing the ripple effect of even even if the students aren't in my program, they see their siblings going to college and and dreaming bigger than their surroundings, and they want to do it too. Um, and then finally, man, um, I would say just uh, um, I can we drive our students to college every year. So you, do you know how it is when you take it when you meet a kid in North Lawndale, and next thing you know, you're driving them to the University of South Carolina to drop them off in college. And you say, all right, man, you can only, you know, only one of your family members can come. And there's like 10 family members in the van. You're like, everybody's so <laughs> proud to see these kids go to college. So that's always a big moment for me is dropping kids off to college every year. And, um, man, I'm, I'm, we're doing, we're doing, we're saving lives, man, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it, it doesn't sound like anti-violence work, but it really is, man. If you, if you know, like, there's only like 15% of kids that graduate high school in Chicago to know that our you know, we have like over a 90% graduation rate in our program. That's phenomenal, man. We're really saving lives. So I'm, I'm excited about stuff like that. Yeah. And is this, so you clearly are ambitious about this and your Chicago program is growing. Is this something you're trying to expand either in Chicago or even other cities? Yeah, man, we have a super waiting list just in Chicago. And, um, and yes, like I do want to expand to different cities because I'm a visionary, but wow, like life has beat me down to making, making sure that I'm, a, I'm like, we, if we do expand, it has to be with integrity because there's not a lot of Jamal Coles. There's not a lot of like the enthusiasm that I can transfer to my team of 17. You know, you need another person like that to be able to transfer that enthusiasm in Philadelphia or in Washington, D.C. or in Atlanta. You can't just say, oh, well, this is can this is copy pasteable. It isn't because um, every city is different and every all the issues are different. So, yes, I want to take it to different cities, man. But but I have to grow as a leader more and learn how to uh, um, I want to work with Deloitte or companies that actually have consulting so they can they can teach me how to build a better system that I can plug and play in a different area. Right now, we're not ready to do that right now. We have to. Um, Right now, it's hard enough getting these 150 students um, a month to continuously show up. You know, we have to do. So I would like to cook. I would like to cook a little bit longer in the kitchen and then perfect my um, perfect my Chick-fil-A sandwich before I start franchising out into different um, <laughs> different cities. So, Well, Jamal, if you had one sort of ask or one thing to leave our listeners with um, about your organization and what we can do to, to help make a difference in your organization, what would be what would be the the uh, the statement? Yeah, it would be to donate. I would buy a hoodie. That's the simplest thing you can do is buy a hoodie, wear it. That will help. All, every money from our hoodie sales goes right to our programming. It would also be to recommend a business. If you know somebody that runs a business in Chicago or even in a different city that will host our kids, man, the hosting is huge, man. We want to expose as many kids to opportunities as possible. So if you know of a business that would host our kids, that'd be great. If you have the resources to sponsor a cohort of kids, do that. Sponsor a school. But I, I would say donate, host kids, and then sponsor. Those are three ways that you could, uh, um, you know, that you can represent with the, with the hoodie too. So, and if people wanted more information about your organization, what's your website? Just so we have it clear yep. for everybody. Thank you. Yep, our website is formyblock.org. That's F-O-R, myblock.org. You can go there and, and see our expirations. You can see how you can donate. You can buy a fresh hoodie, and you can support the work we do. 
Well, Jamal, you're an inspiration to all of us. I love the energy and the passion, and we're so we're so honored that you were a part of our industry for a period of time, and and we should be giving back to your organization. So I encourage all of our listeners to pay attention to Jamal and his organization and give back. Um, it's important. Um, so thank you again for being here today um, and for joining us on your busy schedule. We appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you, man. You show kids better, they do better, man. I appreciate you guys. Y'all have a good day. All right. All the best. And thank you all for joining us here, our listeners, on our, our episode of Market Voice. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide investment, tax, business, legal, or professional advice to any individual or entity. Unless specifically stated otherwise, neither FIA nor its members endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, opinion, product, process, service, individual, or entity presented or mentioned in this podcast. FIA makes no representations, warranties, or guarantees as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the podcast content. Reliance on the podcast contents is done at your own risk. FIA disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special of consequential damages arising out of any use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or its contents. Any commercial use, resale, or redistribution of this podcast without the FIA's express written consent is prohibited. Copyright 2022 FIA. All rights reserved. For more information, visit FIA.org.